From Washington, D.C., the swamp itself, this is The Week's Worst with Allen and Beto. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen, Vice President and Chief Investigative Officer at the Capital Research Center. And I'm Matthew Vadum, Senior Vice President at Capital Research Center. I'm also Editor-in-Chief of our website, bombthrowers.com. This is our podcast in which we dig through the news for stories that we think are the most outrageous, the most ridiculous, the worst. We do it so you don't have to. And Matthew, you start this week. What an incredible first two weeks President Trump has had in the White House. My God, all the protests, all the good conservative progress, all of the venom and the riots and the craziness. I think it's wonderful. What do you think, Steve? Well, you know, it's interesting. They uh, People on the left see this as Trump being put down. Uh, Politico had a headline that the business with the ban, the temporary ban on, on uh, people coming in from terrorist hotspots, that that was a uh, Trump's de- first defeat, Trump's first defeat, it said. And I, you I are, of that. course, referring to Executive Order 13769. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, I've seen polling numbers where the president's numbers are going up. Uh, the, uh, this is and the order is still mostly in effect. Yeah. And, of course, you're always going to have some judges that uh, are going to oppose anything this president does. And you're always going to have temporary uh, orders against anything. Uh, but, uh, but I think uh, so far it's, uh, it's been very successful. He's made his point. Uh, and uh, the rhetoric, the craziness on the other side uh, has just escalated to the point where Man, if, 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 if I were a politician, I would want to have these people as my enemies. They are so over the top. They are so uh, crazy. Uh, and uh, As someone I, I read online, uh, someone had an awesome quip, a, a nice perspective on this. He said that all these crazy leftist protesters were guaranteeing President Trump a third term. <laughs> well, they... Certainly, will be helping him get his second term. That's for sure. Uh, they. Uh, they you know, why, why don't we, uh, Steve, if you don't mind, why don't we explain what this executive order thirteen seven sixty nine actually is? Uh, because not everybody listening may understand it. Uh, my understanding is it's a travel ban from Muslim majority countries that happen to be terrorist hotspots. It's countries like Syria, which already had a refugee ban on it. Uh, Iran, Iraq, uh, and so on. Um, and it's part of a pause that President Trump uh, proposed uh, some time ago, I think on the election on the campaign trail, to just ju- to just freeze things in place with America's policies with respect to admitting aliens from those countries in, uh, for, I think it's 90 days and de- depending on the category, 120 days. Uh, so America can rethink and get, uh, how it does things and get a handle on what its policy should be in terms of admitting people from these dangerous regions. So th- that's what that is. And it's been met with with, uh, you know, immediately Trump is Trump has been labeled Hitler <laughs> by the left. And it's crazy. You have Senator Tim Kaine, uh, who was the, uh, Hillary's Veep vice presidential candidate, saying that we need to fight this in the streets like he, like he's a full blown Leninist, Marxist Leninist leader. Um, and and this just all around nuttiness. There have been a couple of federal judges who have put injunctions in place affecting part of the order, but the order is still in effect. One of them, 
uh, the uh, Anne Donnelly in Brooklyn uh, put in she put in the, the most publicized injunction, and that uh, preserves the status quo for um, aliens from those countries who already managed to make it inside the country as of the time the executive order was signed. And of course, George Soros's uh, uh, groups that he supports uh, were behind that lawsuit. Uh, most prominently, the American Civil Liberties Union. Yeah, I, I would say this. I think uh, there's one error in what you said, which is— Only you, one? Only one. You said Muslim-majority countries. Now, these are, in fact, Muslim-majority countries, but that's something that people are throwing in there as if that's the reason these countries were picked. Uh, it would be like referring to Europe as Christian-majority, a bunch of Christian-majority countries. Well, it's uh, not an error. You're saying it's irrelevant. I'm saying I'm saying it's the kind of meme uh, that is an idea as a virus. It's called a meme uh, that people on the left like to insert into the process so that you end up talking, for example— Oh, my uh, God, I've been brainwashed. I know, thank you've been you. brainwashed. Thank so, you for letting me know, So Dr. that we talk Allen. about Hillary having a private email account instead of talking about how she stole 66,000 government documents that she didn't have a right to. So, so, so— when you when you switch something like that, it changes the way you think about things, and uh, and so I just I just bring that up because that's what I keep hearing even from people on our side. They will refer to these as Muslim majority countries. I should point out I have a list here. I have a list in my hand. Okay, um, is this part of my re-education camp? Uh, exactly, and I, I I knew you were going to say that, so I prepared this list, which is where I went through. Uh, you can anyone can do this. You can go on Wikipedia and you can click on a little button uh, where it has countries by Muslim population, and you'll see that of the uh, if you look at just the total number of Muslims in any given country, that the 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 countries that are on this list are number six, ten, twelve, seventeen, nineteen, twenty-five, and thirty-six. If you look at the percentage. Now, this is a little dicey because most of them are bunched in together in the top few percent. Most of them are 97% Muslim or more. But nevertheless, the list is, uh, if you go by percentage of Muslims in the population from each of these countries, it's, it's the number 5 country, the number 9, 10, 11 country, the number 20 country, 21, and 37. So in other words, these weren't picked because they were the Muslim countries. They were picked because, as it turns out, the Obama administration had the monolith of terrorist hotspots uh, that we were going to be very careful watching people when they would travel to these countries. It would affect your ability to travel into the United States. Right, and the, the countries with the largest Muslim populations are not on the list, yeah. such as India and Indonesia. And so uh, the countries that are on the list are uh, Iran and Iraq, Syria, uh, Somalia, Yemen, Libya, and Sudan. Now, one of the interesting things about this is that every single one of these countries— uh, has at least some territory where uh, homosexuality is public is punished by execution by death, and uh, and if you look at the list, there's there are depending on how you count, there are about ten to thirteen countries where this is true, and this is uh, this is uh, the majority of those countries. Uh, so what you you are looking at is the places where. The bad guys, the, the ones that are most counter to Western values, and I think we would agree that that's kind of a test. If you, if you find out somebody's gay and you throw them off a building, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much counter to the values. It strikes that me as somewhat, somewhat harsh in the circumstances. Yes. Uh, then, then, and that's a test. And, of course, it goes along with such things as uh, forcing women to 
cover themselves uh, almost completely uh, and uh, otherwise subjugating women, not letting them drive cars, not letting them work in offices, uh, and uh, not counting their testimony uh, as a witness the way that you would count a man's testimony, uh, basically allowing them to be raped because it's so difficult to get a rape conviction and often the person who's the victim is the one who ends up being punished. Uh, and so, so the sub, and, and of course there's, um, the sexual mutilation of women, which is widespread, uh, in the world, particularly in, uh, Muslim dominated countries. And so these are the kind of things that you tie them all together. But, but, but I think the death penalty for homosexuality is sort of a good, a good, uh, metric, a good way of measuring how bad these countries are. And, uh, and so you see, as I say, Iran, Iraq, Syria, Somalia, Yemen, Libya, and Sudan, either the whole country or the part of the country that's uh, dominated, say, by ISIS uh, is where they have this because they have Sharia law. Sharia law is the theocratic version of Islam where no freedom of religion is allowed, uh, no freedom of speech if you speak against the prevailing government. Uh, and again, this is totally, totally against everything we stand for as a country. And this is who's getting into the country in some cases. This is who the Trump administration is trying to figure out a way to keep them out. They don't care. Well, President Trump has proposed an ideological certification on immigration forms, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Just as during the Cold War, when you applied to uh, immigrate to the U.S., for example, you had to swear under penalty of perjury that you were not an adherent of the doctrines of world communism. I I remember reading that phrase um, uh, on some documents uh, when I was sneaking across the border uh, as a KGB agent. (laughs) (laughs) I always always thought that about you. Uh, The um, something fishy going on there. But, but, you know, this is the kind of thing where you see the left, you see the true hypocrisy, because they have a women's rights march, uh, and, uh, and, and, of course, one of the four people who put that together uh, is Linda Sarsour, who is a, an extremist who's a supporter of the Palestinians. She, how do women do uh, under Palestinian rule, and who uh, is, in fact, worse than that. Uh, she, 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 I think it's fair to call her an Islamo fascist. That's correct. And in fact, uh, we, we dug up a, a tweet that she sent out, uh, uh, what was this, 2011, where she said of uh, 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 Bridget Gabriel, who's a Christian from Lebanon, uh, uh, a critic of Islam, uh, who took uh, survived a bomb attack uh, during the Civil War in Lebanon, uh, and then uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali, who's someone who fled uh, from oppression, became uh, became a parliamentarian in Europe, uh, and is an activist. She's someone who has- she's a Somali who was. Uh, uh, genital mutilation was forced upon her. That's correct, and this is something that she openly discusses. And so here is the tweet that Linda Sorcerer sent out about these women. Uh, Bridget Gabriel, uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali, uh, there's like an equal sign between their names, and then it says, she's asking for a uh, ASS whipping. Uh, I wish I could take their vaginas away. They don't deserve to be women. Now, that would be bad enough under normal circumstances, but when we're talking about it in the context of uh, female genital mutilation, uh, that's creepy. And this was who was one of the main organizers of the Women's March uh, last week. And then, of course, this week, just as last week as I'm uh, walking between the office and, and my apartment here in Washington, D.C., uh, I run into 
the protesters. And they're either walking toward the protest or away from the protest, carrying their signs. Uh, and I asked what uh, one of the protesters, what, you know, I said, hey, hey, I see you guys are, you obviously are protesting something. Uh, and I see some folks down the street with signs, but what is it you're protesting? I just wanted to know what he said. And he said, we're protesting the Muslim ban. Which, of course, as we say, said, this is not a Muslim ban. Yeah, which Muslim ban is that? Yeah, and, and, and so the left, of course, one of the things they do is they call it a Muslim ban, and then they say, oh, we're being hurt around the world because President Trump has put in this Muslim ban. Well, he didn't put in a Muslim ban, but we may be, in fact, uh, hurt around the world in the Islamic world. Uh, because and, and, by, and by the way, just a little footnote here, a Muslim ban in terms of who comes into the country is totally legal and constitutional. Right. Uh, the, the We're not is, taking a position on it one way or the other, but the president has the power to do it. Right. The First Amendment, Unilaterally. Only, applies, First Amendment only applies to people who are either American citizens or on American soil. And the president has uh, the plenary power right. to keep anybody out of the country. A sovereign, who, a sovereign, nation, a sovereign nation gets to decide whom it wishes to admit. Exactly. And that's an absolute legal right. It's kind of like the presidential pardon power. Uh, there, there is essentially no limit on it. And uh, I, I, I just I'm wanted not... to bring that out because a lot of people don't seem to understand that. Right. And now I wouldn't be in favor of a Muslim ban. I'm just saying that. Oh, I would. That, but OK. Well, <laughs> the, 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 the legal the legal uh, uh, basis is there for the president to do such thing. But he didn't do that. And so you have the left accusing him of doing it and then blaming him for the fact that people in other countries will think that he did when they were the ones who made people think that he did. It's uh, a really interesting way of setting up a straw man, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, that the left would switch in one week from this rally that supposedly is for women's rights and then switch over to now we're going to protest this uh, ban, uh, this temporary ban uh, that affects these countries. Now, it does affect refugees. I get that. And, but the thing is, we don't know. We this idea that we can easily vet these refugees. Uh, you see news stories about the the process they go through. We don't have records on these people. And, and by and besides, refugees do not have a right to enter the United States. Right. The United right. States is entitled under the United um, Nations Convention relating to the status of refugees uh, to to judge them, to adjudicate their claims. No one enters the U.S. by right as a refugee. They seek refugee status. They seek asylum. Right. But I, I, I have great sympathy for refugees. Uh, I, I support the idea of uh, finding sanctuaries for them closer to their home territories. There are a lot of wealthy countries in the Middle East. Yeah, like you, you, can't, you can't escape from Iran and then show up in, in Greece and then come to America. You should have claimed refugee status in Greece. Right. That's and, the way and, it's supposed to and work. And, of course, the, the number of refugees uh, now is at the highest point in my lifetime, and that's largely because of uh, Syria and uh, other countries in the Middle East that were turned into— uh, <laughs> that were set on fire by the policies of the Obama administration. And Hillary Clinton and in Hillary particular. Clinton. So, so, you know, I mean, encouraging, for example, encouraging the uh, re re revolution in Syria, which was probably going to end badly, but could have succeeded if they had come in early and could have succeeded perhaps with people who were 
pro-democracy and at least to some degree pro-Western values. But that was uh, put aside. Uh, they didn't do anything to help at the key moments. And then the revolution ended up being taken over by bad guys. But Dr. Allen, why don't we keep the focus on what's going on here in America? What do you think about, and this hasn't been explored by a lot of people, uh, the chat, uh, the chattering classes yet. <laughs> what, what, the, the moving the social justice batter, battleground to America's airport, <laughs> airports. They're doing these massive protests at airports. This is this is a new thing. Like I know there have always been First Amendment battles over airports, uh, like Harry Krishna uh, missionaries and and Scientologists and whatever, wanting to hand out their literature and case law and various statutes, you know, have been enacted around the country governing, you know, what can be done and what can't be done. But the idea of a mass demonstration where you overwhelm, you know, it's a flash mob at an airport uh, in order to protest uh, uh, a federal policy, this is something new in the American experience as I see it. Right. And only 109 people, uh, it said, were inconvenienced by the effect of the president's order this past uh, weekend. And, uh, and somebody, somebody would have been inconvenienced no matter when Trump did it. So right. there, was no, there was no gentle, perfect way of doing it. And they couldn't announce it ahead of time because the whole point is that the bad guys could, uh, could try to sneak in under the deadline if you did that. But right. the thing is, if it's 109 people who were inconvenienced, how many people were it's inconvenienced? Not that many. But how many people were inconvenienced by the uh, by the protests? Uh, you know, and that, 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 <laughs> what about the three thousand people who were inconvenienced on nine eleven who were who were vaporized uh, uh, in the World Trade uh, uh, Towers and uh, on a on a in the Pentagon and on a uh, farmer's field in Pennsylvania? Well, the thing is, they the, the the left's idea is to cause disruption, to cause people pain. They've been doing this. For Forever, uh, they used to shut down the you know one of the bridges coming into Washington D.C. Uh, during the so-called Justice for Janitors campaign, and that was not actually, by the way, about helping janitors. I've always been for helping janitors. That was SEIU that Jobs was, for Justice. That wasn't was it? the SEIU, which then took over the AFL-CIO and turned it into a left-wing machine. Jobs with justice. Uh, yeah, Jobs with justice, and uh, the uh, uh, so so this is this is a common thing, and we're seeing this, of course, now with what's happening on the college campuses. Uh, with protests uh, against uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. That was an excellent segue, Dr. Allen. And, well and done. Here's a guy who uh, is a uh, homophobe. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a racist. Uh, he's anti-Semitic, despite the fact that uh, he was, uh, you know, his, he has a Jewish, partially Jewish heritage. His, I believe his mother was Jewish. Uh, that he is... Well, then uh, he's Jewish, according to right, exactly. the people who decide these things. Exactly. And, uh, and that he, uh, of course, is a, a gay man who, uh, as he points out, uh, how did he... And, he's, and he is not a closeted gay man. He talks about his gayness all the time. Right. And, uh, and I, was, I was actually at the event that he had at, during the Republican convention, uh, and uh, slightly off, uh, off campus there. And he had it with uh, Pamela Geller, who's a famous uh, activist uh, against uh, the abuses uh, committed by uh, many in the Muslim world. And, uh, and, and here he was, he was talking about it. Uh, he had... This was 20 minutes. He gave a speech uh, endorsing Donald Trump. It was 20 minutes after he had been cut off of Twitter, after he had been banned from Twitter. And the story that they put out was that this was because he had insulted the actress 
Leslie Jones, who is on Saturday Night Live. And, and that he'd encouraged a harassment campaign against her. Which well, yes. and that he, I don't think he did. He just well, he was didn't. criticizing her, and, and in some fact, people started sending her nasty tweets. And, and this and, is the risk you run when you're on Twitter. And, that, and that's my point. Uh, they've never presented any evidence that he had anything to do with the uh, terrible comments that some people did make. There, there were some racist comments, apparently. And uh, and, and she's, she's very talented. Uh, I, I'm a fan of hers on Saturday Night Live. Uh, the Ghostbusters movie was uh, about as bad as uh, Milo had uh, said it was. But, uh, but nevertheless, this was the excuse. And, of course, they knocked him off of Twitter 20 minutes before he was scheduled to endorse Donald Trump for president. Now, I'm not saying that there's a connection there. Not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I got to tell you, that looked pretty bad. And so now you have this guy, he tries to speak at college campuses, and they burn the place down. That's right. He showed up, uh, I guess it was Wednesday, and he was supposed to speak Wednesday night at uh, University of California at Berkeley. And he was there, there were reports that he was in, it was an event sponsored by the Berkeley College Republicans. Um, that may be true. It might have been sponsored by multiple groups, but it was primarily our friends at the David Horowitz Freedom Center in Los Angeles who sponsored his speech, and he was there to um, launch their No Sanctuary Campus for Criminals campaign. The idea is that the University of California system harbors illegal aliens. In fact, former Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano um, the, is the UC president, UC system president, and she's devoted $5 million to helping illegal aliens stay there illegally. UC actually has something called the University of California Undocumented Legal Services Center that's located at the UC Davis School of Law. So the idea that this this poison, uh, uh, the sanctuary cities concept, is spreading to university campuses, which are defiantly saying uh, people here um, are not subject to the laws of the land, are not subject to federal immigration laws, is a particularly noxious uh, and offensive idea. And he was there to give his side of the story and demand that it be ended. And it was at a little bit of a harder edge, too. Uh, the Freedom Center was demanding that that uh, Janet Napolitano and the Berkeley Chancellor actually be prosecuted for uh, interfering with uh, uh, the enforcement of the federal immigration law. But he didn't even get a chance to, to, to give a speech because um, protests, there were left-wing protesters, students, and then they were joined apparently by, some people said, 150 outsiders dressed in black block attire. And this is typical for anarchists and communists. Uh, they were part of a group reportedly called Antifa, which is just a short form for anti-fascist, and they've been showing up and uh, busting heads <laughs> Uh, literally, uh, uh, like hitting people with shovels and firing firecrackers at fireworks at them and uh, and pepper spraying, macing uh, Trump supporters in the face um, and, uh, you know, stirring all sorts of trouble. So they uh, I'm not sure who caused the fires and started smashing all the windows and looting the Starbucks. Isn't that ironic? Starbucks is such a horrible left wing company, and yet they always love attacking <laughs> it. It's always 
Operation Latte Thunder, isn't it? <laughs> from 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 the Fight Club movie. So I'm not wishing this upon Starbucks, but I'm just saying, isn't it kind? Of, isn't it ironic that they always go after them? But anyway, these these uh, uh, basically these terrorists, these rioters, uh, prevented. Um, Milo Yiannopoulos from speaking, and in the process gave him potentially tens of millions of dollars of free publicity because he went on Tucker Carlson Live at 9 o'clock on Wednesday night and was interviewed uh, from the scene after he'd you know, safely been evacuated from the campus. Uh, and then he was on for, I think it was 10 or 15 minutes, which is a lot of time, prime time on Fox News Channel. He was on Tucker Carlson shows show uh, Thursday night, um, uh, you know, saying what happened and promoting his book that's coming out. So, uh, you know, if, the, if, these, uh, if these little um, fascists at Berkeley think that they have shut down Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, they are sorely mistaken. They have just made him into a civil rights hero. Yeah, he is someone who, according to the— And that's an amazing feat, considering the controversial things that he says. Yeah, he, well, he, he, he was described in a CNN tweet as an extremist who rallies white supremacists. Uh, and uh, he, was, uh, he was in a New York Times headline uh, as uh, someone who is someone who tries to give a speech and Trump— tweets outrage and they didn't even mention the violence in the new york times headline uh, oh no 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 that wasn't violence that was just social justice right and bloomberg uh, milo yiannopoulos sparks riots that he's the one who's sparking the riots i actually saw some video of a woman who was wearing a red hat in the style of the trump hat it actually instead of saying make america great again it said uh make Bitcoin great again. So it was a play on that. But she was apparently a Trump supporter, and she's being interviewed by the reporter on television, and uh, someone comes up and uh, pepper sprays her right in the face. Just says, like, hey, you, trying to get her attention and, yeah, and sprays yeah, her. Yeah, And uh, so, and, and, and again, this is... And she wasn't the only one. Many people were, were maced in the face yeah, by I, the, uh, the so-called protesters at I, Berkeley the other night. I loved, I loved his response, uh, which he gave at the, uh, at the event that I attended there during the Republican convention, uh, where he, uh, he, he said that they had accused him of being uh, a racist and that he stopped, uh, I'm going to clean it up for our family audience, uh, he stopped uh, committing a sex act with his, uh, his boyfriend, who was African-American, I suppose, or maybe just of African descent, and, uh, and said, uh, hey, guess what? I, I, I'm a racist. Uh, did you know that? So, you know, th this is just the most absurd thing. They target people. They throw these terms out there. They're doing in the Supreme Court uh, fight. Uh, they have no evidence. Uh, they uh, simply say racist, sexist, homophobe, and they think that it's going to stick. Um, be, I, and I do want to uh, get on to something else before we, we wrap up. Um, the Frank Luntz is a messaging guru. Uh, he's pretty conservative most of the time, and he's a pollster. And he has gotten, at a recent uh, GOP lawmakers ret retreat in Philadelphia, he, has, he managed to convince the GOP leaders on Capitol Hill that they should promise to repair Obamacare instead of repeal it or uh, repeal and replace it. That, the, it, that it needs to—don't don't 
end it, mend it, to borrow Bill Clinton's phrase about affirmative, uh, discussing affirmative action a few years back. This strikes me as, as, as incredibly tone deaf. And it, it, it seems, it would seem to lead, it would be a road to ruin for the Republicans, in my view. They have spent the last seven years crusading against Obamacare. At first, they said, well, we need to get the House back in order to get to repeal Obamacare. They got the House back. Then they said, oh, we need to get the Senate back. They got the Senate back. Oh, we need to, we need to have the presidency in order to do this. Okay, Republicans have the presidency now. Uh, why haven't they done it yet? Um, maybe they're going to, maybe they're not, but they seem to certainly be taking their time. This cannot be a good sign that they have agreed to go with this repair language instead of repeal. Am I right, Dr. Allen, or am I right? Well, I think that... Frank, and how right am I? Frank Luntz is actually a very talented guy. I've known him for many years, uh, going back to, oh gosh, I guess the Ross Perot insurgency. Uh, and then he helped out the Republicans in their effort to win control of, of Congress for the first time in 40 years, which happened in 1994 under Newt Gingrich. And he's, as I say, he's talented. He, he, he understands a lot about how words work. Uh, he does a lot of focus He even has a, has a book called Words That Work. Exactly. And uh, he, he's, he's sort of a guru on that. A lot of us study him uh, to figure out how to express ourselves. But he, he's a creature of Washington to a great degree. And when you live here in this town, you want to get along with people. You want to be popular. And that tends to affect your thinking. And so he will, uh, he, 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 he's this guy who wants to, uh, uh, wants to have peace with the other side. And that's a, an element of, of what we call rhinoism, you know, the Republican in name well, this only. This is cowardice in the face of the enemy, to use a military expression. Well, I'll often say that a rhino is not someone who is a moderate, necessarily. Rudy Giuliani is a moderate, but he is not a rhino. Uh, on the other hand, John Boehner, the He's not speaker, a rhino because, he because he's willing to fight. Because he's willing to fight. John Boehner, who was Speaker of the House, was a solid conservative on the issues, but he was a rhino because he wouldn't fight. And, and that's the difference. Is it someone who will fight? Is it someone who accepts the premises of the other side and says, oh, well, we must get along, we must compromise? And that's not how it works. That's not how... You win. There are times to do that, certainly. But as uh, we're seeing right now, sometimes you have to fight a revolution. And that means the people on the other side are going to understand that you're fighting a revolution and they're going to go right back at you. And uh, you and, just. And you, you can't get rid of their more, the, 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 the crown jewel of the Obama legislative juggernaut uh, without uh, knocking some heads together, metaphorically. Oh, oh, absolutely. Figuratively. Uh, and, and and remember, this thing was set with all kinds of landmines, where if you remove this part, then the whole thing causes negative consequences. And that's the kind of thing that we have to be aware of, and we have to get rid of it and, and do it just with a, a like, like a Gordian knot. You just have to move quickly, and in an instant you have to do it. And that's what the Republicans need to need to be doing, or else they're going to lose on this issue. And whether they do it or not is an open question at this point. Yeah. Well, that's our show for this week. We'll uh, see you again next week. And uh, the week after that, we hope you'll join us. Please follow us at the Capital Research Center on Facebook, on our YouTube channel, and at Capital Research on Twitter. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen. And I'm Matthew Vadim, Senior Vice President here at Capital Research Center, Editor-in-Chief of Bomb Throwers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>